Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 272nd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's releasing this episode in a shiny new border, so it won't seem just like the last one. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critter on Twitter. My co-host this week is Travis Allen, at Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, everybody. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing all sorts of valuable information with you. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. My friend, what is on the agenda this week? Well, this week, uh, I thought we would start with segment one, the MTGO metagame week in review. Some modern, you were making me talk about Legacy three weeks in a row. There's no, there was yeah. no Pioneer Challenge this week. What year is it? <laughs> uh, top two, uh, segment two, our top paper movers, uh, cards that have seen the most price movement recently, uh, along with our top MTGO movers. Segment three, our paper cards to watch, stuff James and I has our eye on. Uh, we should we should switch that back to just cards to watch, right? Like, when was the last time we had anything digital on here? Um, and finally, segment four, our topic of the week, the Modern Horizon 2 reveals, semi-reveals, as well as the Elish Norm reprint we're going to see uh, coming up. But let's start out here. The MGGO Minigame Week in Review, looking through this modern Super Q Got some green, red, mid range, Titan, Dredge, Prowess, triple three Prowesses, some Eldrazi Tron, Eldrazi and Taxes. What, you know, on the surface, a fairly familiar slate. Um, nothing here jumps right off the page at me. Seeing Dredge come back is a little, a little surprising. Um, a little less common than some of these other ones, but nothing here too wild. If modern, paper modern comes back with a vengeance sometime in the next 6 to 12 months, and, and Blue-Red prowess, prowess is still doing this good, you're going to see some foil extended art Stormwing entities and some of the other uh, cards specific to this deck take off in a hurry, boy. Yeah, Stormwing Entities seems like a good one. That's probably a card nobody has. That's the 5 mana 3-3, three, three, but it costs 3 less if you cast an instant or sorcery, so it's a, effectively a 2 mana 3-3. Three, three with flying prowess that scries to when enters the battlefield. Yeah. Um, the, which is, so, you know, you, you have to have already cast a spell, which means you're probably, you're not casting this for three, most likely, like it's kind of four, because you have to have played a spell. Although Monomorphos and Mutagenic Growth are in the deck, technically. Yeah. But even still, on turn four, you're playing a 3-3 three, three flyer scry two with prowess after having played something else. That's pretty nasty. Cards got the requisite number of words to be good. Um, and four line breaks, <laughs> and and it does show up in the top magic online movers of the week this week, so could be a harbinger of uh, things to come in paper. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, anything else in this in here to jump out at you? This probably probably version? just the fact that the green red mid-range deck was uh the top slot. I think people tend to look at decks like that that lean heavily on Blood Moon and play some mid-range cards as being fringy, but this one's been posting up regular top 8s for a couple months now. Oh, I see. This one has opted for pillage over some of the other options. Is that one of the old border foils that's available at a time spiral remastered by chance? I don't think so because the one on the motherships popping up is Modern Horizons. Let's see. Yeah, Masters 25, Modern Horizons, Mystery Booster cards. Oh, I know what it uh, was. Pillage one of the. No, it wasn't. Stone Rain was the Mystical Archive. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Stone Rain is probably what you're thinking of. And that one we have seen more frequently than pillage yep so on over to the legacy challenge i guess the most notable thing here is that we've got a bant miracle deck in first i'll call it miracle as opposed to miracles because i think terminus is the only one in the deck um but most notable here is that this is running four copies of abundant harvest again and the bug deck that finished seventh in this top eight was also running. Actually, I think the Bant Miracle was three copies, but the bug yeah. deck was four copies. Uh, so seven copies total of this card that is supposedly in Modern Horizons 2, but has only showed up uh, in the Mystical Archive so far. Making that Oko Assassin uh, flag in the Discord last week that we echoed on cast look pretty good. Because $5 version of a masterpiece that's played at least in Legacy and probably ends up in Modern, I would guess, is pretty curious. Um, could be easily a $20, $30, $40 card later. Yeah, the, I. Uh, it's probably a touch too early to go after the Strixhaven promos here, maybe. I'd have to look a little closer. But those are one that I'll have to keep an eye on because those are could be quite quite useful in the future um i wonder if uh miracles here is going to turn into affinity where the deck is named for a mechanic that has slowly been written out of the deck yeah i mean the, the rest of this deck doesn't look has elements of prior miracles builds two jace the mind sculptor a narset two Thrifairy, uh two brazen borrower a hull breacher two ice fan quaddle three uro three abundant harvest four ponder two terminus four brainstorm Three Force of Negation, four Force of Will, four Swords to Plowshares. And I realized that this is actually a pretty achievable legacy deck. Like, it's got two Tropical Island of the Tundra. Most people that play Modern probably already have their Misty Rainforest and their Flooded Strands, and the rest of what's in this deck is, you know, it might already... might covered basics. Yeah, might, well, it might already be in your collection from Modern. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you need Force of Wills. Anybody who's been playing the game for a long time probably has those anyway, but uh, this is this is a deck I could throw together with just stuff lying around. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't terrible as far as Legacy. I mean, Legacy has plenty of decks that are not terribly expensive, and realistically, the difference between... Um, Using a Breeding Pool or a Trop... Yeah, duels and shocks and stuff like that is is sort of negligible. I mean, this this uses two trops in a tundra. Like you could swap one trop for a breeding pool if you already owned one, save yourself like three hundred dollars or whatever. And then the 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 third dual land you fetch as a shock, like it's not a big deal. Um, 
if you really wanted to play Legacy. But I don't think that's the the barrier here. A lot, a lot of it, I believe, is that a good chunk of the card pool doesn't overlap, at least like the important stuff. I mean, a lot of the nuts and bolts do. Um, like, you, you know, you have some of these cards you most likely have in your collection because of modern, but, you know, the average player who's been playing like five or six years who wants to build this deck not only has to go by Jace's, they have to get, um, they may, may or may not have to get Uros. They probably have to get Ice Fangs. They have to go hunt down um, Force of Wills, right? If they've been, if you haven't been playing, if you only started within the last six or seven years, you probably don't even have Forces because Legacy's been down, dead that quiet. Force of Negation isn't the cheapest. So it, it's not, not the cheapest to jump into, especially if your local store isn't really bothering. Also, minor detail, lest we be labeled as middle-aged and out of touch, Trops are more like 750 to 850. <laughs> are they up that high? Yeah. I hadn't really checked in a while. Man. Yep. You want to hear about how I sold like 10 of them probably two and a half years ago? No. At ouch. like 250 or $300? <laughs> yeah. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Rug Delver in second, Lance in third, Bug in fourth, mm. seventh, and eighth, Hogak in fifth, uh, and a Maverick build. I think that's what you call the Abzan builds in. In Legacy, right? Maverick? Uh, yeah, but it had to have... Uh, wait, what place was that that was? Six. Let me scroll back up. It was... Is this Maverick? Yeah, it's got the Knight of the Reliquary. So that's kind of the the requirement for that deck. Close enough. Yeah. I don't even remember why it was called Maverick. Nor I. Why was that called Maverick? I'm sure somebody will yell at us in the Discord once we release the cast. There's no card with a name Maverick that's relevant either. Hmm. I'm usually pretty good at remembering why they named these things what they did, but that one I don't recall. I mean, the, the Pro Tour is just fading into distant memory at this point. Feels like a fever dream. Yeah, That's uh, another topic that we don't have on the topics of the list this week, but uh, it's worth touching on at some point as well. Top Paper Movers of the Week. Dive right in on Savra, Queen of the Golgari. We saw her jump from basically nothing to 12 to 14 or so last week. Some more motion from 14 to 20 for another 40% gains. This is on the back of the being used in the uh, Witherbloom themed decks in Commander lately. Sedgemore Witch is looking at like one of the breakout rares from Strixhaven up from 5 to 750 or so. Certainly one of the top five most likely uh, rares to see multi-format play on an ongoing basis. Basically a Monastery Mentor. Uh, so looking pretty good there. Savor the moment, uh, uh, taking extra turns card, going from 12 to over 20, 75% gains. Uh, yeah, some good, some good motion. Indeed. Um, Haven of the Spirit Dragon. This is, uh, foils from this week, 7 to 1250. And this is, uh, your pick last week. So that did not take long. I mean, that just means some pro traders bit off a bunch or whoever was listening to the cast. And and also that... Trying to... And there was also just, like, there was banter in other quarters about, you know, what are the dragon cards to go after if we know there are dragon decks for D&D. So it's not like it was a pro trader exclusive or anything. Uh, yeah. Lots of people probably tuned in to the five or six pretty obvious cards for the dragon, the new uh, dragon commanders. I was trying to give you uh, a little more credit. <laughs> <laughs> Just gloss over the... Fine with the realistic the perspective on it. Yeah, for the pro traders doing all your work for you. I also don't want all the, um, all the blame when things get bought out either. 
<laughs> Arclight Phoenix foils 20 to 36, so almost a double up. They've been uh, showing up in some of these prowess style builds. Not all of them, but definitely a bit of a resurgence. People are gearing up. I think it's cu- curious. To to see, the tables. Yeah, curious to see those foils taking off. But I think it's more about the legacy play it's been seeing lately than modern. It has seen some fringe play. Um, although I think the blue red prowess decks have largely eschewed the card. I do recall that I've been seeing this popping up in legacy list. Let me just see where that was. Yeah, there's a uh, a list going around that last finished six went six and one for seventh place on April twenty fifth. That I think we talked about a few weeks back had a Croxa, three Witherbloom Apprentice, two Sedgemore Witch, four Arclate Phoenix, a whole pile of spells, and of course the Chain of Smog copies to go with the Sedgemore Witch. I mean, sorry, the Witherbloom mm-hmm. Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember that. So, doing a little bit of work there, I guess. And plus, it's it's been a while. It the you know the card's been hammered not just by us, but I'm sure other resources as well have talked about it. Next on the list, we've got Through the Breach, the Masterpiece uh, Edition Invocation from uh, Amonkhet Block going 45 to 90. I know I've got some of those that have been sitting around for a while, and I'm pretty sure that's also the card that I have the gold foil thumb misprint of, where somebody at the yeah. factory put their their thumb on the sheet with some while the gold ink wasn't dry yet and made a thumbprint. That's kind of funny. Which means we could, in theory, track down with our CSI gear find out what fool wrecked my card made it worth I, made it worth too much money i would like to see that that would be interesting <laughs> that'd be interesting uh yeah i, I mean like a touch surprised because we haven't really talked about through the breach at all um in you know in these decks in any format really very much and the invocations are pretty bad i mean the invocations are funky and weird but the uma box hopper is clearly better and foil box hoppers of through the breach are 19 20 bucks which is just a much cooler appearance than the invocation but i guess the invocations are functioning almost strictly on rarity here so the modern challenge that went down on may 15th the blue red deck uh went six and one with Four Snapcaster Mage, four Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, 28 blue and red spells, including four Valakut Awakening, four Cryptic Command, four Through the Breach. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they, it shows up here and there. It's not to say that it never does, but it, there was there have been periods of time where Through the Breach was pretty yeah. popular. <laughs> yeah, and it has, it has not been seen played the way it used to. Uh, Worm Coil Engine, uh, Masterpiece Invention, not Invocation, uh, popping off to the tune of being something like 200 to 400 or so, or whatever you can convince somebody to sell it to you at. Yeah. Uh, if you believe yep. TCG player, it's headed even higher. Uh, certainly some copies probably lying around in Europe closer to the old price. I'm sure this has been a pick at least once, maybe twice on this cast. It's certainly been discussed a bunch in the uh, ProTrader Discord along the way. So I think I'm already sold out of this, and we'll miss the, the highest heights. But uh, certainly time to start taking a hard look at which masterpieces are likely to pop off that haven't yet, because time, the time is nigh. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite a while now, and if, if like, Through the Breach Invocations are jumping and Worm Coil Engine is that high, I mean, Worm Coil Engine is a very playable card. You'll hear me talk about that uh, a little bit. Um, but, 
But yeah, I mean, really at this point, you could just buy them and and it may not be the fastest turnaround that you will have out of all your choices, but uh, unlikely you're really going to regret it. This, uh, this, next, this next one's interesting. Urza Lord High Artificer foils MH1 going from something like 180 to something in the mid 300s. Um, thing is, you would almost suspect that this kind of motion would be predicated by people <clears throat> knowing for a fact that this card was not going to show up in Modern Horizons 2. But it looks from the latest information that was posted to TCG Player in the form of pre-sale info for the MH2 collector booster displays that there are definitely Modern Horizons reprints in Old Border uh, frames that come in foil and non-foil. That could easily include Urza. And I'm going to be very curious to see if there is a Old Border foil Urza, whether that ends up being more expensive than the original foil from Modern Horizons. I, I would have to take a guess that the old uh, the re- the retro is the term they're using which i think i like better than old border just for ease of use the retro foils of urza will probably be you know if if our if last week's conversation is accurate very rare much more so than the original run foils so i mean give if that's true i would imagine the the retro urzas will be more just based on the fact of how uncommon they are. It's tricky because, again, Modern Horizons 1 didn't have a high foil drop rate. It had the lo- the old foil drop rate. So you're lucky to get, like, one foil rare in the box, maybe two. And and foil mythics are, even much, are significantly more rare. So we are certainly leading into an interesting place here where if they're going to keep making old border foils of staples down the road from their initial printings... And you start talking about card a card like Urza showing up in a standard legal set where the foil drop rates are much, much higher, then you will certainly expect that the eventual fo- old border foil will A, be more rare and B, more, be more pricey. And that whole concept of the original printing foil may be a dinosaur at some point because it'll become all about which premium printings it has and how much more they are worth than the original printing. Yeah, I, I haven't done a, a comprehensive review of these types of things I, I to, to compare, like, okay, you know, if you have a card with, like, two premium versions, how do those compare to, like, the original pack foil type of thing? I haven't gone back and, and really done my homework on that to, to have a thought. But I would have to imagine there's probably plenty of examples where the newer cooler premium version is more expensive than the old foil yeah we got bring delight foils from uh, battle for zendikar popping off to the tune of low teens to mid teens up to about 40 dollars some guy pinged me on twitter and said hey just wanted to let you know i targeted this card this week what (laughs) yeah um it's also been discussed on cast multiple times it's been discussed in the in the discord multiple times bring to light decks have been doing well in pioneer and modern for better part of a year plus and this is this was always an if not when uh sorry a when not if scenario <laughs> a when not uh, if scenario 
I have a couple thoughts. The first is that uh, I feel compelled to say that I have never actually targeted anything. Like I have never done like a widespread buyout in the attempt, not not even to move the market, but to like really secure my position. The most egregious is like some vendor had like, you know, 40 or 50 copies of like uh, Varchild or Martin Stronghold or whatever. And I just bought them because I thought the card was good, not because I was trying to move the market. Um, second is I like... I bring the lights a, a, a good choice, but I'm still at this stage, you know, today in mid-May, a little on the reluctant side to be going after modern staples with Modern Horizons 2, like, so close. Like, you don't know what that's going to bring, man. That could, could have a pretty big... In- the first one had a humongous impact on modern, so the second one could really change the format. The thing about the Bring the Light decks, though, is they're basically five-color good stuff. So they, they tend to not be dethroned very easily because the nature of the deck is its flexibility. Uh, what, I, what I think is more important for those decks from a financial perspective is that they tend to run a lot of onesie-twosies. So there are very few cards in the deck that, that are actually spec-targetable based on their, posi- their use in the deck because a lot of other decks tend to not use them. Bring Delight tends to be a four-of in the deck... And it's been several years since those foils came out. But again, you could get old border foil bring to lights in Modern Horizons 2 here. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's part of it. Was there could just be a better bring to light. Uh, a better, a more, another pre, more premium version bring to light. But I, I think I, on a, the, I, I disagree with the premise that it really can't go anywhere. Um, it is it is more resistant to metagame fluctuations than other archetypes and decks may be because of because of what you mentioned the fact that it's uh, you know it's good stuff so it can kind of play a smattering but it's not a particularly fast deck so if the format sped up you know if the combo moves in a specific way like it doesn't really matter if you're playing five color good stuff like that it may just not be able to keep up or have you know be able to play to the format correctly and just kind of get sidelined until things change again so i i do think that you could see the deck essentially invalidated at least for a period of time the kind of deck that's fast enough to to do that is probably going to get hated like hated or banned out of the format anyway like if they gave us a fresh Hogak problem here, that'll last a couple months before they deal with it. Yeah, but I mean, so by the same token, I could be I could say that Jund is Jund should never really be out of the format because it's just very good cards that are very efficient that is going to be good at beating up basically anything that shows up. But Jund absolutely has waxes and wanes right like there are times where it is very good and times where it is basically unplayable we i don't remember the last time we talked about a gem list so clearly it is not a given that those types of more flexible strategies are always useful true i mean we did see jund all, th- all the way through the winter it's not like jund's been absent lately but there was a period of time when it was absent um before it got got uh, access to scourge of the skyclaves and had a couple of other variations pop up where it could go in different directions uh, yeah. Hex Drinker at MH1 was also helpful. Yeah, I mean, then, you know, and not to say that Bring the Light is never going to see play again after Modern Horizons 2 comes out, but, you know, my point is just there. In, in, in a larger trend, I am not eager to buy modern cards when we are, you know, a month away from a major format changing set being released. 
I mean, Bring Delight's also an EDH staple, but I think it's I think it's the old border foils that worry me more here. So I mean, I'm, I'm a seller for sure because I'm I'm definitely holding some Bring Delights in the ten dollar range, and if I can get twenty or thirty for them, I'm happy. Hmm. Um, okay, so let's jump over here to Squirrel Wrangler. Uh, I actually don't recognize this set symbol. Pro- prophecy. Oh, that's not Prophecy. Prophecy is... Oh, shoot. It is. It is Prophecy. That's not... That, are you kidding me? That's Prophecy? Yeah, I checked. They changed it. I think it used to be PCR or something. Oh, maybe that's why I don't recognize it, because maybe it got changed. Huh. Or maybe we've just literally never talked about a prophecy card, so I've never had to look at it. Yeah, it just prophecy. It used to be PR, and now it's PCY. Okay, wasn't prophecy just like the worst that's possible? Um, yeah, Squirrel Wrangler foils twenty two to eighty four, which uh, is just of, whatever is left at this point. Yeah, because of the squirrel, we saw a squirrel or two in Modern Horizons too. But I mean, if we're talking about foils from prophecy, like we have more listeners to this cast than there are foils of squirrel wrangler in existence especially near mint so sure <laughs> i mean and along similar lines dragon speaker shaman out of scourge 18 to 80 or whatever uh 300 plus gains dragon edh coming this summer plus it's an old foil undead war chief out of scourge eight or nine bucks to up over 35 300 plus gains other mutation out of apocalypse Two or three dollars to close to twenty. It's just old foils being under assault. There was really again like at least two hundred options here, and at this point you just need to go dig your old foils out of your binder and get them properly sleeved up and put into top loaders because you're going to end up selling them and I don't giggling along about, the way. Don't forget about scent of cinder there. I, I picked that one out because it's just so absurd. The card's ridiculously scent, bad. Scent of cinder, but it, that is a. Uh, I, I wonder if that is it. Inter- weird work card to say out loud. Yep. Scent of Cinder. Yeah. Urza's Destiny two mana, foil. Two mana red sorcery. Reveal any number of red cards in your hand, and it deals X damage to any target where X is the number of cards revealed this way. So, I mean, like, in a in a limited or possibly constructed format, that's not abysmal, but, like, there's no reason anyone would play that at all right now. Oh, I guess it, they're, they're, it's kill somebody in EDH? It's got nothing to do with that. This is just, they're going after every single old border foil from the first five years of foils. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's all that's I going mean, on here. I, yes, I completely agree. I was just kind of looking at it and wondering, like, if anyone could play it. Uh, I mean, admittedly, you could get away with this. Uh, you know, if you had some deck that, if your, like, deck drew your entire hand, or if your deck drew your deck, you could then kill with this. But why this over anything else? I don't know. Sure. And then biggest biggest of the of the week, ish. Cruel ultimatum foils out of FTV twenty. In theory, going from like two dollars to call it twenty, if you believe anybody will buy them at that price. Uh, it's just a low supply side swipe. At you know, obviously whoever's going after all this stuff is just. They went through the bottom of the barrel of reserve list and they just like rats started hunting around in the warehouse, finding more and more obscure barrels to invade and found scent of cinder in one and FTV foils in another and figured, ha, why not? It's been working so far. (laughs) The uh, little tidbit for you, the current path of exile league is named ultimatum. And my character's name is the monocost for cruel ultimatum. And I've had a couple people, comment you're so clever yeah i am extremely clever thank you 
<laughs> moving along to top magic online movers of the week just a trio of blue red pro s cards on the move spire bluff canal from kaladesh going five and a half ticks to ten ticks 80 percent plus gains storming entity has referred to earlier as a potential gainer in paper going from just under eight ticks to about 15 ticks 90 percent gains and then kozilek's return is typically a two of in the sideboard for that deck and it went from seven and a half ticks to 15 and a half 108 percent or so yeah, that's uh that works. A little Kozlux return action. Alrighty, move on over to cards to watch this week. Let's see Got a healthy list here. Let's see what goodies I came up with. Let me just make sure that this thing I put on the list a few days ago is still actually a real pick here. <laughs> that would be real sad if it wasn't. Uh See. I've done that a couple times. I write something down and then I come back and I'm like, ah, damn, I can't. It doesn't work anymore. Too late. Uh, yeah, we look good. All right. So Mana Confluence Buy a Box promo was the ignored promo from Commander Legends because there was so much else going on with that set. But you can pick these off in Europe around somewhere under $20 US. And it's in 53,000 EDH rec decks. 10% of all EDH decks run it. This is uh, nice art. It's a good-looking promo. Uh, and it's by art's by Titus Lunter, um, who also does the art on my second pick this week. Uh, for these to go 20 to 45 is not going to be hard at all because the TCG inventory on them is not particularly deep. Let me just take a look at what we're looking at as of tonight. Looks like something like 32 listings, 23 near mint foil, and nobody's got more than four copies. Headed pretty rapidly to 40. Um, Monoconfluence buy box. I mean, if we're, I mean, if that's only 20 bucks, that's pretty cheap. For a single source promo is the is the thing here, and it was during COVID when buy a box promo distribution was significantly re reduced yeah i mean the um i mean that you have the expedition but that's 150 bucks yeah at the moment and monica influence despite all reasoning is actually quite pricey or quite quite well played um also did not get didn't get bucks. a zendikar rising expedition last fall because they wanted to use it as the buy a box promo yeah and that art is very nifty. So I mean, you know, if if I'm gonna buy, and I see the uh, the Theros copy born and got journey in the next sorry copy is 35 for the foils already. I mean, if I'm gonna buy this, I'm choosing between the expedition and the buy box. And the expedition's 150 bucks, so the buy box at 20 certainly seems like a steal, and it is so popular. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, my concern here would be that they roll out some other version of this, another premium version that's looks good and is a lot cheaper and, you know, secret layer or whatever. But, I mean, that that axe is hanging over the head of everything these days. Um, and while my account of is probably a little higher on the list than other stuff, I, I still think this is a very solid choice because 20 bucks is so cheap that, like, you could have a 60 or $70 version that still gets to sit in between this card and the expedition and there's just no obvious location for this card in the near future it's the kind of thing that can show up in a secret layer but other than that you're not going to see it in modern horizons 2 pr probably pretty unlikely for D, D. not the kind of card i expect them to put into innistrad blocks yeah 
Yeah. And I mean, the pack foils on TCG are already up to 25. Or I shouldn't say the pack foil. The, the buy box foils are up to 25. So if you're getting them at 20 in Europe, you're already ahead of the game. And there's not even that many listed under 30. There you go. Okay. Nifty. Uh, I'm going to start this week with Doretti, Scrap Savant, the one of the original Planeswalkers that could be your commander. Showed up in foil, actually, in Commander Anthology 2. Uh, it is the only foil of this card, despite there being like five printings. It is in about 10,000 EDH Rec decks, just under, um, and he gets to be captain of a couple of them. Not a lot, but there's some. He is recently popular in the Osgear decks, uh, which is kind of how he hit my radar. Very popular in the Osgear decks, in fact. Um, but he's, you know, at 9,500 9, 9, 9, decks overall, he definitely gets played. Um, so, you know, this recent bump is not a flash in the pan. And, you know, we're putting a lot of time between us and those products. You know, God knows when we'll see him again. Uh, so, and the supply is relatively low. There's 25 vendors. Um, nobody has a deep stock. I think one guy has five copies and that's about it. So if you're getting these, you can get them at 350 for the foils out of Commander Anthology, $3.50. So if you can get these up to 10, which does not seem much to ask for the only foil printing of this Planeswalker, that's going to be good in pretty much any artifact deck that exists. I think you, I think you can do, I think you can do decent here. Yeah, this is a nice under the radar pick. I did not know that this card existed in foil and... It's the kind of thing where there's no walls on this card of note because this the Commander Anthology Volume 2 isn't the kind of thing that you know any major box-cracking operation ever had a deep supply of and went, went ham on. So biggest wall on TCG right now is six copies. This will take a little while to drain out just because it doesn't have a lot of spotlight on it, but the card's good in one of the top three commanders of the summer. Only foil printing seems good to me. Yeah, I also didn't realize this was available in foil. I saw it on the Osgear page, and I'm like, huh, what's going on over there? And Because uh, I, I didn't remember what exi what versions existed, and then I was like, hey, this is actually the only one. I'm like, yeah, okay, works for me. All right, so I said Titus Lunter was the artist of my second selection as well. Currently, uh, if you're looking at the inventions, Damnation is... Uh, $200 plus. I, in fact, I have a eBay dispute that I refunded recently where, in theory, uh, inv Invocation Damnation got lost in the mail. And I had, I think my billable on that was $250. Uh, it looks like there might be some a ray of hope as the buyer signaled that the card uh, may have arrived this morning. Uh, well over six weeks late. So mm. looks like I might get my money back on that, but it put me to look, double checking what Damnation was going for. And then from there, realizing that the Titus Lunter art on the Wrath of God, which is quite lovely, is still going for less than 100, even though Damnation's over 200, the really sexy Bolas art. Stands to reason that Wrath of God being in 30,000 EDH rec decks and basically being an iconic magic card, it's already draining out. There's not that many copies left on TCG under 100. You can get them in Europe or North America about the same price, probably 80, 90, 100 ish. Best pricing might be on Facebook groups and so forth from people that have them lying around. I could easily see this doubling up within the year just because people will be generally targeting masterpieces and, and the invocations, and Wrath will be in the top 10 of them to pop. 
So, and we're looking at the, just to clarify, the invocation version, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just wanted to double check. Uh, I mean, yeah, the art is very cool. Um, and it is a shame. It is so small. Yep. The it's extremely popular. I'm I'm surprised it's only thirty thousand. Honestly, like I would have guessed it was more than that. Um, even still, it is the namesake of any card that kills a bunch of creatures. Wrath, well known. Damnation's over two hundred dollars too. Damn. Uh, I'm like looking at the card as we talk about it here. Have you ever actually looked at the big version of this art? I think so. I think this got. You posted it, or somebody posted this recently, and I actually did click on it because I was looking at those little guys in the foreground on the cliff, just like and realizing they're. Um, he drew like a million <laughs> little yeah. figures in this, and you just do not get that from the art on the card at all because this this art is the kind of thing that we should fill an entire wall in a room, not the kind of thing that should be on a little piece of cardboard. Yeah, it is. It is a uh, very cool looking. There are only eight vendors right now with t- with copies in TCG. Starts the low is eighty eight actually, mm-hmm. so um, pretty low. But that's not a lot of. It's not very many copies, and the price ramps up. You know, every every two or three copies here. So I, I, I just sold one of these yesterday at eighty eight and looked, did my research thereafter, just what I tend to do, and regretted it instantly. Yeah, like, uh, oh, if I sold a card, I have to go back and see if I was supposed to have uh, made more money on this than I did. I always ship in that situation, but I tend to only list, if I had, say, eight of them, you'd only ever see one listed at a time. Because I want, I always want to have the out to make sure I increase the price on the next one. As it so happens, I don't have any of these left. But I would I wouldn't in, indeed consider just rebuying <laughs> copies in Europe slightly less than I just I just got for them. Suck up the ten dollar loss from that little transaction shuffle, and then try to roll forward to two hundred. Yeah, I mean, yeah. See, uh, you only ever list one, and you always ship in those cases. I mean, you don't, you don't not do that. That just makes you really crummy. Uh, oh, I have one of these listed, don't I? Oh, I have three of these listed. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> well, calm down. How about that? Let's go change that right now. Seems like a good idea. <laughs> I must have listed this way back when I was still listing multiple copies. We're going to jump that up. Uh, so thank you for bringing this to my attention. There are now fewer copies available under $100 because mine was at 90 bucks, and I'm changing the price. Put them up to $169.69. Uh, I, I do that. F- have Whenever I'm close to that price point, I do that. <laughs> Because I don't care, but I'm assuming somebody else will. Yeah, that gets a chuckle uh, out of me. So. Uh, oh, I was going to say, uh, I'm moving my price up. And it just reminds me of a conversation we had in the Discord. And somebody was giving me... I Someone someone pointed out like I was the lowest price for a card. Or something like that. And I was like, oh, thanks. I have to go move the price up. And someone made a crack about me not like not wanting to sell like you know god forbid you sell a magic card right like gotta go move your price up but i thought about that over the course of a day or so afterwards and i decided that if you sell a card you lost a battle like there is an imaginary like little needle that moves and that car like how much that card is worth and like you know in the general market and if your listed price ever is below that needle and someone buys it, like they got you, you've lost, that was a fight and you lost <laughs> it. 
So really the only time that you can consider a success when you sell a car is the other person is miserable about it, right? They have to be angry and upset that they are paying that money for the card. That's how you get away with it. Like that's that's the only way to win that fight. That's certainly one perspective for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the, I like the pick. I like it even more since I have three of them, but it is, it is, it is, it is very well aligned. I mean, that supply is so low and damn, I was honestly like, uh, one fifth of the available copies. Did you realize that I was in that list? I didn't at all. Yeah. Me me neither actually. Um, all right. So moving along, this is the card we talked about mentioned earlier was the worm coil engine and i will admit to not having pulled up our spreadsheet from last year so my apologies if this was recent in there i don't think it was but uh the double masters borderless versions of worm coil engine we are now almost a year away from double masters i i know that the inventory is still kind of deep on these but uh, across the board but I, i'm still like some of this stuff you're getting in sort of at the bottom here um borderless foil worm coil engines which have the best art by the way uh are about 45 dollars right now um it is in 14,000 eda truck dock so pretty solid should probably be more honestly um it is also reasonably popular in competitive play shows up in tron decks and and you know a couple other fringe strategies this is the best version there are only 25 vendors the market price is below the lowest available price, which means the price is moving upwards. Um, and you only have to go clear about 10 copies to hit $55. So there's not that many at the price point I'm talking about. Um, so it's, it's a very popular card. It looks good. Double Masters, we're, we're getting into that ballpark where the inventory is going to start to move a little bit more. Um, and I just like, I like all the, everything lining up for Worm Coil Engine here. You like this art better than the masterpiece version? The invi- the invocation you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I I mean it's not bad. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I, I do. I part of it though is the border. I think I think the borderless copies just work very well. Um the invention one's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I think the borderless one's a little more clear, it's a little more obvious what you're looking at. The invention one, it's there's kind of a lot of detail, but you're zoomed out and it's not really clear what's happening there at first glance. I think I like the masterpiece one better. The other interesting point with this is it's real nice with Oz gear, right? <laughs> you, you sack it via whatever mechanism Oz gear or otherwise, since that deck is likely to have a bunch of different sack outlets, you're going to get the two, three, three worm tokens, one with death touch, one with lifelink. It's going to be sitting in your yard and then you're going to use Oz gear to bring back two, copies of the worm coil engine that'll be the six six death touch lifelink and when they die you're going to get the tokens twice yeah this card is good i don't like 15 it's in 14 15 000 edh truck decks and i think that's too few this card is really good at eth and if you haven't had it cast against you that you you might not understand it but like it's just the death touch is so annoying and then have to deal with it afterwards too so it is, it is good at what it does. So we have called this in the last year. I called it September 1st September to go 32 to 50. So we're closing in on my target, and you're saying it's going to keep going. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it was good then, and it's still solid now. All right, fair enough. I can buy it. The, uh, 
Let's see. I've got two more. Uh, on the invocation scene, Dark Ritual is very much in the same boat as Wrath of God. It's in 40,000 EDH rec decks. It's an iconic staple. It's draining out. You can get them in North America or Europe in and around 100 bucks. Same kind of deal. They're going to end up being $200 cards. Same deal. Uh, you just got cool Dark Rituals out of Strixhaven Mystical Archives, um, which is like saying that you're getting a cool Wrath of God in the upcoming Secret Lair. And people love to bandy this concept around on social media. We see it in the Portrader Discord all the time. Oh, there's another version of the card coming. This one's going to tank. And this this we'll, we'll get into this more detail when we get to this <laughs> ridiculous Elish Norn frenzy. Um, but my point on all of this remains the same. Very rare premium versions of a card will largely shrug off those kinds of problems given any amount of time. Even if the people are all about the fanciest new version of a thing for a month, unless it is clearly and significantly better than the older version, it's not going to matter much. Especially when all you really need as a baseline for masterpieces is that people want to complete sets of them. That stores want to have them in inventory. Because that will be enough to drain out the last 5, 10, 15, 20 copies of a lot of this stuff and keep it out of circulation long enough for the price to prop up at a new plateau. We, and we see it over and over and over again. Like They gave us a whole bunch of versions of Mana Crypt over the last three years. It doesn't matter. Mana Crypts are still worth ridiculous money. The Whatever premium versions come out of any of those S-tier staples, they get low when the supply is at its peak and then give it a 6 to 18 months, it's going to get back up and that's just the way it is. Now, they, they, it is possible for them to put us into a world where they're reprinting so frequently that that becomes harder and harder and harder, just like they've done with regular Soul Rings. I mean, when Soul Rings were only released once a year in Commander decks, they were a surefire, buy them at a dollar, get a brick of 300 and flip them to CK for 250 to 350 Day, Days of that are long gone because the, there's just Commander decks every two months at this point. So you get Soul Ring after Soul Ring after Soul Ring, the market never gets a chance to breathe. But on the premium side of things for the S-tier staples, it really is a different animal because they'll give you one or two premium versions of card over the course of three or four years, and that just won't be enough. Whether you're talking about Demonic Tutor or Jeweled Lotus, whatever. Like it's... And, and as time goes on, they have more and more of these S-tier staples to focus on. So they don't need to give us another Demonic Tutor in the next two years. They can move back to Vampire Tutor a year from now and give us yet another version of that card. They can give you Imperial Seal, which is overdue for some fancy version. Um, I, I will I will refrain from engaging in that topic until we hit segment four, and I will speak to Dark Ritual specifically. Uh, I think that the for our purposes, the invention and the uh, mystical archive are distinct cards, and given all of the attention on the invocations. Right, we know we've been seeing over the last weeks, month or two that that bodes well for Dark Ritual. Obviously, not only is it kind of weirdly popular in EDH, um, forty thousand just is kind of mildly bewildering. Like I don't know why you're playing the second card in EDH, but obviously, long standing competitive chops. And I mean, Dark Rituals one of the most famous cards if you're a player. So I mean, all that looks very good. A hundred boxes. Um, no small, no small banana to be biting into. That's my own metaphor. I just made that up. You guys are welcome for that. But, um, <laughs> despite that, I don't think you're going to slip on the peel here. Uh, you know, at a hundred bucks, like it's, it's kind of a weird 
it, it just seems very pricey for this card. Like, but I I'm confident it will go up, and that you know you probably can get two hundred dollars for it later this year or next year because people are gonna want the this version of the card and they will pay for it. Someone made a bunch of money on Dogecoin and wants this particular dark ritual and they won't care how much it costs. Uh, my low key pick of the week to follow the dark ritual is Ink Shield Extended Arts. Ink Shield is a Commander 2021 card, so that means it doesn't have a fancy foil version yet. It only has an extended art version that can show up in one of the slots in the Strixhaven uh, Mystical Art. Uh, sorry. Strixhaven Collector Boosters, and it has low-key turned into a 16% of all black-white decks running it card, with 1,700 decks reported so far. The only two cards, uh, three cards ahead of it, are Archaeomancer's Map and Monologue Tax, the ones people expected to be very popular in white decks where their effects are particularly needed, and then I think Cursed Mirror is at 1,930 decks. And Pest Infestation is just below at about 1,600. So Ink Shield is deceptively good. This basically fogs an opponent for a turn, and you're going to hold it in your hand and use it when someone tries to Alpha Strike you with a 1,000 Goblins or whatever. And then for every one damage prevented with no limit, you get a 2-1 Inkling creature token with flying. They come into play untapped. You just get an instant army. So they swing for 26, you get 20, 52 power worth of flyers. That's a pretty decent turn. turnabout as fair play card. Yeah, this card has admittedly uh, seen more play than I would have expected. And I think I made a comment about that before, if it was in the set review, or I don't remember what we were discussing, but I was a little surprised at the, the amount of play it's seen. Um, I'm not, like, blown away by it. Uh, but clearly people are, and that's what's important here. So, I mean, if it's if it's doing numbers competitively, then that's a pretty tempting price to get in at. You know, two fifty is not a lot of dollars, well, and it's it's very popular. Well, it's five dollars. Your next pick's at two fifty. Oh, they, I'm sorry. Yeah. However, $5. on TCG Player, it's ten dollars. In Europe, it's five. So you're already getting some potential instant arbitrage, and then for it to to pre- if your if the selection is predicated on the U.S. price going up another five in time for you to capitalize on your $5 copies, I think you're in safe shape because the buy list is probably going to be good enough in short order to cover your play here. Yeah. And I mean, you know, my person, any of our personal opinions about these EDH cards aside, and I think Dark Ritual at 40,000 is nonsense too. It doesn't matter. If people are playing the card, they're buying it, then it's going to sell copies. And that's 15% is a good number of decks to be in. And, you know, we talked about this before. We agree that that usually declines as you get further away from the card, um, the card's release. But that, you know, if it drops in half, I mean, eight eight to 10% of white black decks is still quite solid. So, um, you know, five bucks for extended art foils for a card that's seen this amount of play. Sure. I think 15 bucks is very reasonable. So here's the thing. The... Card Kingdom buy list, speaking of which, is already at seven fifty nine seventy five credit. So it's basically wow. instant arbitrage play. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no no arguing there, right? Like every time you pick those, all I can do is be like, "Yep." Like, what <laughs> what am I supposed to say if you buy this card overseas? It's suddenly worth five dollars more if you get it to America. So you don't need me to tell you that it's good. I mean, I just threw eight in the cart. Let's put it that way. Well, there you go. That's uh, the, the the seal of approval is us buying the card while we're talking about it, right? That's the 
before you jackals get your hands on them. Right. We have to make sure. We have to make sure we get some of that book into into our pocket. If you're not talking your own book, you're not doing it right. That's what they tell us. (laughs) Um, All right. I'm going to finish this off this week. Uh, Shout out to Ristic Studies, Ristic Study on Twitter, because we're looking at Frantic Search, the card that if it wasn't modeled on him, he sure could lie and tell tell people it was. this is out of Ultimate Masters. Um, the, the original Frantic Search is from Urvis's Legacy. Uh, we are looking at the Ultimate Masters common foils. It's in Frantic Searches in 35,000 EDH truck decks. It's very good. It lets you untap lands when you cast it. So an EDH where you're playing all sorts of lands that make more than one mana or do something useful uh, has real additional value to just being a free um, looting card. Uh, it was recently popular in Vagrant, so it'll get a little bump there, but obviously it doesn't it stands on its own two legs even without that. There are currently 18 vendors with foil frantic searches. The only other foil copy is the Urza's Legacy copy at 60 bucks. No, there's no deep supply. No one's got 30 copies of these. I think one person had six and that was about it. And the Ultimate Masters foil frantic search will set you back $2.50. So you can pick these up. Maybe, you know, hopefully this year-ish they hit like eight bucks, nine bucks. Because a handful of people go out and buy a copy, and I mean at two fifty, if you go to buy one for EDH, you might buy two or three just so that you have them in case you want them. Uh, so it's one of the rare times where I think when you're talking about cheaper EDH foils like this, it's one of the times where you might actually get to sell three or four copies to an EDH player because they're buying one and they're going, "Why not?" and they buy a couple. So I'm not looking for the moon here, but if you buy in it around two fifty, and then the buy list get up to five or six bucks, maybe eight or nine credit this seems like a pretty solid turnaround on your part yeah there's only four printings of the card the other foil is an urza's block foil so there's basically one foil printing of the card and it's currently two dollars that makes no sense yeah even though that even though it was popular. only a common still still yeah glad you like it uh tell us about our listener pick here Trevor R. from the Pro Trader Discord calls out Force of Will Borderless to go 170 picked up in the in Europe. TCG's already pushing 250 to 260. He calls 170 to 300 within the year. This is the Double Masters uh, Borderless box toppers that were only available in the regular boxes. The VIP packs, you could only get foil borderless. So... The, the theory goes that Wizards focused on VIP packs more than the regular boxes, and so there are uh, there was a lot more foil borderless action in the market for the last eight months or so than there was in the non-foils, and the non-foils have had a tendency to drain harder as a result. Um, there are still cases and cases of uh, command uh, sorry uh, double masters sitting around out there, but they won't last for that long. And they're not easy to, to crack and pull out one of these force of wills. The art's gorgeous. The foils are worth stratospheric amounts. Um, I have a couple of Japanese foils that I'm planning on holding for a while. And this seems to make sense to me. It's like 50 or 60 bucks cheaper at least in Europe. So you got a, a relatively smooth arbitrage play there for say 20 or 25% of capital. Probably in a relatively short time. And if it pushes up higher to 300 or so in the next year, then you're in better shape. So we're talking about the extended art or the borderless non-foil copies. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, 170 is a, a big banana to bite off. But, I mean, if your prices, prices are already looking pretty solid. I mean, Force of Will has sold copies over and over and over again, for sure. I mean, TCG, TCG lows, what would you say, over $200 right now? Lowest priced copies are around 214 215 but there's only three of them. Then it jumps up to 245 in a hurry. 38 total listings. Nobody's got more than four copies in stock. And if I cut out the foils, you're only looking at 12 listings with a steep ramp to 300 plus. Hmm. Well, I, I will tell you that um, non-foils tend, you know, in our yearly reviews have outperformed the foils by by ratio here. Uh, so it already has that going for it. The European prices are very, are well ahead of the American prices. I mean, in the American price ramp looks very good. I mean, it's hard to argue with any of this and it looks good too. Like it's a very cool looking artwork um, that, you know, even if they print another, even when they print another premium version, this is still likely to be uh, a fan favorite amongst a lot of people. Well, and the point is that by the time they do that, let's say that's two years from now, there's not going to be enough of these lying around for it to matter. And that's why they can keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, yeah, it'll work, it'll work very well for it. All right. So that's it for that. That's it for that. Uh, we're going to, Seg on over into talking about some more Modern Horizons 2 reveals. There is a big uh, Twitch stream tomorrow where they're going to show off some cards. So we'll be talking about those next week, I'm sure. Um, and then the other thing that leaked out this week was people realized that there was uh, five Phyrexian language versions of the original Praetors that were being put into, I think, uh, into Arena as part of a historic update. Something like that. And they had mentioned during the announcement that they would also be a future secret layer. Now, there's already a Judge Foil Phyrexian Elishnorn that we've discussed on this cast multiple times over the years because Travis got in at a certain point and then the bottom dropped out of it because more copies came into the market through the Judge Packet distributions and then the price floated back up again over time. I got in around 200 or so, and recently copies have been trading hands in the five to $600 range. So really, your sweet spot to sell was the first half of 2021 before this announcement cast a shadow over the card. And on that basis, it's a sell. But people, when the news started spreading, people on social media and in finance groups, including our own, were panicking, talking about, oh, it's like the card is ruined. They've reprinted this hot judge foil and i'm just like but they didn't like it's not actually a reprint <laughs> not only is it not just the same card but without the judge stamp it's a completely different border and completely different fonts it's it's a new version of the card so we we frequently uh tend to track pretty closely on our opinions but this is one of those places where we're going to diverge a little bit uh, i strongly dislike this reprint for a couple of reasons i mean on the surface the the new treatment the new treatment itself looks awful i mean it's kind of like if you took a sophomore in college who's been studying photoshop and showed him the judge version of this card yeah. and he decided to make his own like 
twist on it. Like, this is what he would do. Be like, ooh, I'm going to put some cool little black stuff on the border, and I'm going to twist the power toughness box. Like, it looked bad. It just looked bad. But but that's my point, is that this is not a clearly but, superior version. It doesn't have hot new art or anything. And so it's coming out in a secret layer. So it's going to have the notorious clamshell foiling. Uh, he, he, it, here's... It, first of all, if it's in foil, one, we don't know that yet. Two, we don't actually even know what the composition of these secret layers will be. We don't know if it's as simple as 30 bucks gets you all the Praetors, or if they're breaking up the Praetors into five different secret layer bundles and they're each going to get signature spells alongside them. We have no, we well, have no idea what the composition is. It's n- it's not unreasonable looking at the history of secret layers. Presume they just put all five in together. That might not be true, but I don't think that's an unreasonable guess to you make. Can't, you can't put those five cards together at the price point they normally sell secret layers. Well, I mean, you're right. The price point would ha- would be upwards of like, like 80 bucks or something like that. But they've had a couple secret layers that were... I mean, we just had a couple secret layers that were on the pricier side. Um, and, you know, we know they're going to begin... They're going to be pushing that those boundaries... So, I mean, maybe this is where they choose to do it. And, I mean, maybe they do split them up. Maybe they do, like, a green-white one and a, a blue-red, you know, Grixis and a Selesnia, whatever. I mean, that's all sort of beside the point. The I, I think the general idea of reprint, you know, when we talk about, like, the Dark Ritual and things like that, you, you have to consider these on individual bases because the specific the the devils in the details on stuff like this you know when we look at dark ritual yes we just got the cool mystical archive dark ritual but the thing is is that version is visually very distinct from the invocation so if i'm a buyer coming to market and i'm kind of thinking about which one i want uh those are like two separate copies entirely so they kind of they exist independent of each other. But when if if I find out that there's a Phyrexian language, Elishnor, and I go to TCG Player, and I see the Judge copy, and I see this one, they're different, but they're not that different. And they're not different in a particularly meaningful way. Yes, I think the new border is trash, and maybe it won't be foil, which kind of adds another wrinkle to this. But again, I'm assuming that it'll be available in foil, because they usually are, but that might not be true. But if it is in foil... Uh, the difference between the judge promo and this is very narrow. This is a worse version, but if the judge promo is $500 and this one is 30, there's a, it's like, okay, obviously I'm going to take the uglier one for 30. If this was a very distinct copy, that'd be another story, but it's not, it's, it's close enough to be a problem. And you also have the added feature that, for a long time, this was one of was like the most distinct, interesting cards in Magic in terms of like the cosmetic appeal because this was way before inventions and, and masterpieces and all that and secret layers. So it stood on its own in that regard, and it was very cool for that, and it kind of had that going for it. And you've just kind of sucked all the anything cool and unique about that card you've removed. And I think if they were going to do this. What I would have rather seen was push the borders on this significantly. Like this should have looked very, very distinct because then you can have a quote unquote, you know, a, a, a Elish Norn with the Phyrexian text, but very different looking. And then that way the judge version gets to be the original 
clean one and then you have this other one that that's heavily warped but in this scenario it tracks so closely to something that was a gift to the judges that i think is just going to take is, is ultimately going to hurt the judge promo more than it helps. Like it is not going to help at all. And I don't like reprinting premium versions of cards if you don't have to. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, it's not necessary. So it just rubs me the wrong way. There's a couple points in there that I think bear deeper analysis. The first is there's no way the previously 550, now the lowest price on TCG is already six. 70 or so as people panic sell um, versions of Elishnorn were ever in competition with the secret layer version. The, the scenario you're describing where somebody comes to buy an Elishnorn on TCG, they, they were never even considering the judge promo as, as those people never consider anything 10 times the value of the card they were expecting to buy. The, the person that were that you're referring to in that discussion is comparing it to the regular version last printed. And that's the card that's going to be under pressure versus the new secret layer printings. So I, I wouldn't be worried about my judge promos in the slightest. I'm worried about the iconic Masters regular copies of which there are 32 current results at $28. If they put these out at something that makes the base price of the Elishnorn cheaper than that, those are the copies that aren't going to sell because if you get to choose between a decent but not amazing looking Phyrexian version of Elish Norn or a regular copy from a master set, you're going to buy the sexy version. But it was never about. I'm no one was ever buying five hundred dollar Elish Norns because that was the cheapest or only available copy. And oh no, there's a new version that's cheaper, and now that's not going to sell. The people that buy Judge Foils are looking for the are literally looking for the most expensive version. <laughs> They are. If the secret layer came out at five hundred, we'd have a bigger discussion to have. If if they put out twenty thousand copies at five hundred bucks a piece, now I'm on board with saying they're going to get compared. But somebody like my dad, who's just trying to finish like a judge foil set or whatever, or somebody who thinks they're fancy and just wants the like is putting Elshorn in their deck and they've got money to spend, and they're looking for the best version. They're gonna. They might come looking for the secret layer, and then beside it, they're gonna be like, well, why is that one five fifty? And they're going to go into the Judge Foil list and see that there's only 20 copies left. And they're going to be like, oh, Judge Foil, cool. And they're going to still going to buy that one because A, it looks better and B, it's more expensive. So I don't actually believe that, that there is much in the way of downward pressure on the card other than the ripples we're seeing through the scared vendor folk. And I, I would argue that just mentioning a card, just putting it up for sale, just putting out that secret layer draws enough collector attention to a site like tcg player where there's actually a pretty good chance the judge foils are going to sell out under that pressure just from having 20 or thirty thousand people be like oh yeah elishnorn what are the versions of that again and then 10 or 15 collectors being like oh wow those judge judge some of those judge copies are 200 dollars below what they used to be that looks juicy i'm gonna bite one off while i can and i'm not saying that's gonna happen day one it's entirely possible that if they if they put them out and the foils are fixed and everybody's happy with them, that the judge foils, like DJ was saying on Twitter, will move more slowly. Like their liquidity will be lower. They'll just be it'll be pushed higher and higher up the utility curve to the people that are premium focused and seek the most expensive version of an item specifically because it's a Vebulin good to them. 
it's possible that they sell less quickly in the presence of these other cards for some period of time. But I guarantee you it's going to end up being like it has been for Mana Crypt and Soul Ring and Counterspell and all the rest, that as you put out these intermittent premium versions, the other versions will sell. I mean, I well, mean, I, I mean, look at look at what just happened with Counterspell. Counterspell is going to be is is going to be in Modern Horizons two. We're definitely getting a premium version of it there. They just gave us another one in the Mystical Archives. They gave it to us again in uh, another product last year, plus Commander Legends. It doesn't matter it, it, if a card is under pressure. If a, if a spotlight is on a card, a bunch of different versions can move in lockstep. Well, okay, so. That's why I said the devil's in the details because the counter spell example is different because the the premium versions are distinct. The price differences tend not to be that far off. The card has very high play utility. Like pe- lots of people want them to play with them. They need four of them. Um, it, it's essentially much more useful as a actual game piece. Uh, whereas I think Elish Norn is sig- significantly less so. It's like you play an EDH and maybe your cube, and like that's basically it. Uh, so the utility is lower there than Counterspell. Now, I should I think we I think we are uh, as speaking to slightly different things. Is m- my point is not that the Judge promo will never recover. It's not that the price will never go back up. Um, and that you'll never sell another copy again, right? Like, it's not so much that. It's I, I think at the end of the day, doing this isn't great for the Judge promo. I, th- I think it, ultimately it's probably does harms that copy more than it helps it, even if that just means it drags it down by $100 right now and adds, you know, another year, year and a half to catch back up. Um, maybe the price doesn't move too much and it just lowers the liquidity. Like those are possible too, but it's, it's almost more than anything. I don't like it as a, just as a slap in the face to the judges. Like it just, it just feels like bad PR essentially. And I don't think I would have thought that if it was a visually distinct copy. So my point is more about the appearance of the action from wizard's side necessarily than the economic impact of the existence of this card and i and i also do think there's a little bit of overlap in terms of like people deciding to buy stuff uh i think there are some people that might have looked at the judge when it was just a judge promo might have looked at it and been like something they would consider buying and kind of wanted to go after because it was so cool it was the only one and it's really interesting and now that you have this secret layer they're definitely not going to bother whereas before they might have considered trading for it or picking it up for something um but now it's it's so much more common they'll just get that one and that's fine like that's good enough because they're like a pseudo collector and i can say that because that's kind of the boat i would be in um so i know that people like that exist because it's partially my thinking so let's sidestep for a second and revisit what's going on with time warp out of the mystical archives according to Yui in japan there's a extremely minor difference in the print quality and presentation of the reg- the foil mystical archive Japanese version of Time Warp that comes out of the set and regular booster boxes. And on that basis alone, they're pricing it at plus a hundred thousand yen. So they're basically adding a thousand dollars onto the price tag of the card for that variant. And Let's then turn the mirror back to what we were just talking about. 
We're saying that two versions of a card that are similar in the sense that they both have Phyrexian language on them and they are the same card text, like that they are the same card with the same art, are, are going to converge when the time warp demonstrates that the slightest difference can justify a $1,000 price tag in the market. There's zero reason to fear a, 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 anything but a strict reprint, which this is not. This, this is a inferior version. The foiling is going to be worse. It's going to clamshell harder than the judge foils do. It's not as clean of a border. And people will like it and it will get bought. But it's not going to matter in the end. Like I'm sure there, I'm sure there are people in our Discord that would say, well, but the prices will converge. Like the the if they put out a hundred dollar secret layer, then the Elish Norn ends up 150 in two years, and the Judge Foil comes down to 250. Yeah, that's a possible outcome. Or all the attention on Elish Norn could hollow out the last 30 copies of the Judge Foils in North America and push it back up over 600. As people try to get the best version. As the discussion takes place when the secret layers are released and people are going on Twitter and being like, I thought this was going to replace my Judge Foil version, so I sold it. Now I'm so disappointed because these suck. The, uh, I don't think they're going to converge. I mean, I think there will always be a significant price difference between them. Um, I also... I don't think the time the, and when I, I mentioned before that, that I think the devil's in the details, and I don't think the time warp version, the time walk is a is a perfect example of it because the time walks didn't exist as a gift to a essentially a, a, an underpaid, underappreciated class of players. Like it was viewed as there was there was something special attached to the Elish Norn in particular that doesn't exist, for instance, on those time walks. Oh. Um, and it sort of cheapens that a little bit, I think. And I think that's part of what rubs people the wrong the, way. So you're much. getting no debate from me on that point. Like I would not made this made this decision. I wouldn't have printed this card. It's not how I would have done it. I would have waited till they print the five Praetors that the new Vorinclex kicked off. I'm assuming they're planning on doing that. And somewhere in the next two years, then I would do a secret layer based on like adding to the portfolio of Praetors that are available like that, as opposed to going back to the well on Elish Norn. But clearly they couldn't resist because Elish Norn is the anchor of those first five, right? Like that's the, the uber S tier staple for EDH. But the time warp is more uh, relevant, not less, on the basis that they came out together and have nothing to do with the judge program. Because they should be indistinguishable goods. Like, to most players, they can't tell the difference between the two versions. But Japan says, no, there's a $1,000 difference between the two. And there's way less difference between those two versions of the card than there will be between these two. So it's entirely, like, collected collectability is often snobbery that hangs on the faintest of details think about things like summer magic summer magic commands ridiculous prices it has nothing to do with the fact that you can get the same cards in in what is it fourth edition or revised or whatever it is well it's it's all about the rarity of that version uh so i to me there's a scale here you have you have sort of the rarity of a good is a particular axis that something that sits on. But you also have the, I guess I'm going to go with 
aesthetic appeal. So you could say that like uh, Genesis, right? Like Richard Garfield had a child. They printed a magic card. Yeah. Extremely high on the rarity scale. Like top 10 rarest magic cards that exist or something like that. But like nobody gives a shit for any other reason. So it's very high on one vector, but low on several others. Um, the, you know, the, the Amano, like Amano Liliana is extremely rare, like, but not really playable at all. Uh, <laughs> it is, it, desired... it actually has very high play stats. You keep saying that, but it's actually a very played card in EDH. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, I mean, relative to, but you, you, you get the, okay. So, I mean, pick, pick, okay. So the summer magic cards, right? Super rare, but beyond that, nobody cares. Like that's the only value they have to them. The Judge Elish Norns quite rare but not nearly as rare as summer magic but there's this additional vector of like this card looks cool and i want to use it and that doesn't exist for summer magic at all that does exist for elishnorns because if roxane elishnorns look cool and you want to use them and now you have another card that sort of semi-competes on that vector Uh, and again i'm not saying that's not the only vector that matters and it's not going to overpower this you know the, the rarity component of this entirely and people who only want judge promos or only want the super rarest version still have that option but for players who are making their decision with across multiple vectors the calculus has changed a little bit so it's not to say it's a humongous difference i just think that it is it is in bad taste on wizard's part all right i have a couple of points and then we'll wrap it up one, probably the closest analog I can think of is actually Zendikar Expeditions for the fetch the the uh, fetches that showed up in ZNR Expeditions and were also available in the original Battle for Zendikar Expeditions. Because if you're a vendor and you can tell me that there was a chilling effect on your ability to sell the BFZ Expedition Polluted Delta because there was a new version available, then we're having a conversation. Um, because they're both called Expeditions, and even though they looked different, they were, I think, considered in the market to be from the same class of cards because they because of the way that they were marketed. Um, the other point I'll make is that none of my arguments are meant to suggest you should hold the LS Norn because I don't think everybody anyone agrees with me. <laughs> so if the market is going to tank on the card, then you should try to get out of it. First of all, you should have sold it three months ago when I was selling most of mine because they, they were selling for excellent prices and you were doubling or tripling from where you likely got in so why were you holding this long is part of the question but assuming you did get stuck holding should you sell yeah probably because the market's tanking if you can get anything near you know 500 plus because i believe that the correct move is actually to sell as high as you can wait for it to get even lower on the the official news of whenever the secret layer is going to be let's say it's this fall or something and if you can get back in at 250 or 300, I think you're going to be fine. But that's, you know, it's, I would not be looking to permanently flee the judge foil. That's for sure. No. And, but I think that's kind of, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that, but I think that kind of, I'm not going to say, like, I don't want to say proves my point, but I, I, that is not incongruent with what my perspective was. Like it is going to dampen the price on this. 
at least momentarily, and it looks bad from a both a the card looks bad and the the choice by wizards looks bad. And it's not to say that the judge promo will never go back up. I don't think that's true. And I would agree with you that I think later this year or you know whenever the floor is found would be a good time to buy back in on that because it will go back up because it will still be the good judge version versus the ugly secret layer version. Uh, I don't dispute any of that at all. Um, so I, 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 that, this is what kind of what I meant. Oh, Levana, I don't know if you guys can hear that. I live uh, a road that motorcyclists like to gun their engine down at 10 o'clock at night. Um, th this is kind of what I meant is that I think that we are talking about in some ways, two slightly different components here. All right. I mean, good enough. I think we've given people enough perspective. The We should move on yeah. to the information that was uh, discovered on TCG Player uh, as relates to the description of the Modern Horizons 2 uh, box contents or pack contents. Let me just see. If I... Yeah. I have to tell you, this is with... I think without a doubt, I, can, can you say I think without a doubt? Or if it was without a doubt, it would you would just you wouldn't think about it, right? Uh, I'm gonna go without a doubt. This is the least favorite thing of mine we ever have to discuss. Is these stupid pack distribution charts because they are so intentionally obnoxious and I hate it. It's just, ah, it just annoys me every time that we have to go through this. It's not like your fault. It's just like wizards coming up with these very obviously obtuse pack distributions. Like if it was any more archaic and intentionally obtuse, they would have to just come out and admit it because it, you know, it would obviously be intentional beyond the point where they could pretend like it wasn't. Huh. I'm looking at the link now that did they take, don't reload your page. Did they, can you still see the details? Oh, I don't know if I, I don't think I had the tab open. Oh, that's not good. Uh, well, it's posted in the Discord, isn't it? Yeah, let me see if I can track it down. Because I'm not seeing it on the page that I was seeing it before. I, I mean, I would not be surprised if they pulled it. Huh. Uh, oh, no, it came up for me. Can you screenshot it yeah, and throw it, it my up. way? Because I'm yeah. not seeing it. Right here, I'll do... I just I just clicked the link you sent me earlier on Discord. Yeah, the, the, exactly the I'm seeing the description up top as being single paragraph. Uh, okay, well, I mean, I clicked on it earlier today, but it was several hours after you sent it to me, so I'm not even sure I saw the version you're thinking of. Well, are you seeing the slot-by-slot slot breakdown? Nope. Uh, not really. No. no. Well, then no. you're not looking at it then. Yeah. Let me see if I... I see what you're saying. So the link works, but they changed the what's in Correct. it. Correct. That's what I'm saying. They took it down. The... Uh, let me see here. Mm, we talked about little pieces of it all over the place, but we didn't. I don't know if we took screenshots of the whole thing. Let me just check and see if I took a archive shot. So basically, what we're talking about here is TCG on the on the page for the Modern Horizons Collector Booster display. They had listed what you could find in the packs, and I think they got told by Magic to take it down because currently, currently have. you can only see the following. Uh, <clears throat> you get 12 booster packs as per normal in the collector booster box and you get four rares and or mythics per pack a max of three mythics so that's pretty high uh, 15 magic cards plus one foil token in every pack 
and all the rest of the info got stripped. So let, let me give you some of the interpretations. They had mentioned there was going to be three foil etched cards. So they uh, confirmed that foil etched much maligned in the mystical archives, but pretty well received in the way it was handled for Commander Legends is back in Modern Horizons 2. So now the big question is <laughs> how, how many of these cards are going to be worth way less than Wizards thought they would be? Uh, how much How much of the... What's the drop rate on the etched versus versus the foil versions of the premiums in here? Because that's certainly going to impact the EV of the boxes. If Wizards oh. structured this so they thought etched was going to carry the day, but the etched aren't impressive again, then we're going to be... <laughs> it's going to be a little a little interesting. The if something like the only boosters with foil etched cards, Modern Horizons 2 collector boosters contain three in every pack. So you're getting three etched cards in each pack. Get one foil etched basic land. So that'll be the first time they did that. Plus two foil etched cards that may be fan favorites from Modern Horizons 1 reprinted with retro frames. Powerful cards introduced to Modern for the first time with regular or retro frames or even retro frame fetch lands. So... My theory from months ago that they were going to put Modern Horizons 1 cards in here in premium treatment is proven definitely true. Mm-hmm. So you have to expect that you're going to get Force of Negation. You're going to get Urza. You're going to get Renin 6. All that stuff's on the table. And so if you're holding copies of those cards, right now would be a real good time to be selling them. Yeah, I think I have some Urzas. I posted, uh, I found it on Reddit, by the way. I'm pretty sure this is the language you're looking for. So take a look at that. Um, But while he's looking at it, three foil etched cards, one to two extended art cards, uh, four rare mythics in every collector booster with a possibility of up to three mythic rares. Um, So the most important info is one sketch or retro frame card in every pack. So there is a... Basically, an old, a retro slash sketch slot, a new to modern reprint in every pack. So that's going to be your counter spells and so forth. And then a foil, one foil and possibility of multiple rares in every pack. So one of the things that's interesting there is that collector boosters have been criticized for being just a pile of useless pack foils. Because for standard sets, you get a whole bunch of commons and uncommons in foil. And in Double Masters, you got a bunch of this too. And there were some interesting uh, cards that got their first foil printing as a pack foil in Double Masters, like Hammer of Nazan comes to mind, that are worth way less than they would have been otherwise, given the way that they were formulated and how easy they were to pull. I'm not sure how technically accurate these bullets are that TCG was using, but... My interpretation is that you only get one foil a pack. One, it says one foil and possibility of multiple rares in every pack. So it sounds like they turned the corner on this concept, and now they're leaning in the direction of, you know what makes a collector booster pack? More rares and mythics and less commons and uncommons. If there are, in fact, no commons and uncommons in these packs, or only, say, reprints, like, say, counterspells at uncommon or something, then pack foils of some of the commons and uncommons that are new cards from Modern Horizons 2 that you might find in the regular booster boxes or set booster boxes might be more capable of taking off. Well, hold on, because 
The collector box description says each pack contains 15 cards, one foil double-sided token, okay, whatever, three foil-etched cards, and nine traditional foils. Where are you seeing the nine traditional foils? I sent you the No, no, I'm looking at it, but I don't see it. It's like the very first thing. It says collector box description, and then there's a paragraph. So it's three foil etched cards, nine traditional foils. Get a combination of four rare and mythic rares, two to six uncommons, four to eight commons. Ah, uh, okay. So they didn't change it then. Yeah. So you're, so you're, they you're, still they still think the foil etched are the the premium premium. Well, no, but scratch all everything I was saying about rare foil uncommons because clearly that will not be the case. Yeah. Yeah, which is which would also be odd to me. Like I, I don't that didn't seem like a, a route they would go. Um, well, I mean, I, I, honestly, I think they should because I think making the foils rare again is something they should be doing. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, I didn't think I, I don't disagree, and also I didn't think they were going to do that. Um, yeah. So I mean, this 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 to me just well, I guess I'm not familiar enough intimately familiar with the pack distribution from the past collectors boosters to identify the important differences here. Well, one of them is they say there's an extended art rare in every pack. Okay, fine. Uh, With a possibility of one additional extended art card in traditional foil. So I would imagine it'll be something like a third to a half of the packs will have uh, an extended art foil. So the drop rates on those are probably pretty like reasonably low. So when they say traditional foil, they mean pack foil. The question now, see, do they mean pack foil or do they mean non-etched foil? No, no, no. Because it's all the same thing. They, they mean normal foiling treatment over whatever border. Foil foiling well, that, and borders are different things. Foiling we have etched right. and foil. Borders there's a whole bunch of stuff because <laughs> you have sketch cards, you have regular border, you have extended art, you probably have borderless for the planeswalkers again, and you have. Uh, uh, retro slash old border uh right okay i i sounded like you were saying that you thought that the when it was talking about the traditional my god this is annoying to discuss it sounded like you said the traditional foil wouldn't be borderless and i was going to say i disagree not borderless extended art different borderless they reserve for planeswalkers and in strixhaven dragons Okay. Uh, even still, both borderless and extended art should still be able to show up as traditional foils. Yes, that's what they're saying. But not in every okay. pack, which is which is meaningful. Sure. It's not okay. like you're getting a foil extended art every pack. You're, you're okay. going to get okay. probably, I would guess, three or four or five per box, and maybe one or two of them will be old border foils. Okay. <laughs> So you can get an old border foil Misty Rainforest or an Urza, and you can get some hot new rare from the set in foil extended art. And those are, it's going to go, old border foils will probably be the tippity top here. The foil extended arts will be next. And keep in mind that the fetches are coming in both versions. The foils of the sketch versions, depending on how what the relative drop rate ends up being exactly, of things like Urza Saga could end up being very expensive. 
And I would imagine, unless the etched is real sexy, they will be last. Uh, okay, wait. Last amongst... You're saying the etched foil normal borders will be the least valuable, least desirable of the foil treatments of the card? If they are as underwhelming as they were in Mystical Archives, yes. They will follow a yeah. similar pattern. If they are if yeah, they are closer I... to being like fully etched art, like we saw in Commander Legends, then it'll be a different story. And it's got to be too soon. Yeah, there's... For them to yes, have changed yes, yes. that, right? Whatever they planned for this year with the whole etched thing, they planned all of it back a ways. And this is just all of it rolling out in sequence. So there's there's no adjustments here based on the feedback to Strixhaven. No way, no how. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. So it says you get every collector booster contains at least one sketch card with a possibility of up to five. And you may also get anywhere from zero to five retro frame cards. So just from that ratio, you could get zero retro frame cards. You could get five. You're going to get one extended art per pack and the possibility of one additional extended art foil. So it sounds like there's per pack, there are actually more old border possibilities than extended art. So it's possible that the old border foils are, for the Fetchlands, are more rare, I mean less rare, than the extended art foils. Which would be interesting because I want to say that the retro would be more popular, but if they end up more popular, more common than the borderless, like that creates kind of an odd dynamic where the one that's less popular has less copies. Like which might equalize their price a little better. If you're out there listening and you're still confused, I recommend you just ignore this club (laughs) and wait till we have all the information. Because part of the problem here is we're theory crafting in the gaps. And this is a good chunk of information, but it's not enough. We need actual drop rates. And one of the best sources of that usually ends up being mass cracking data from some of our partners from pro trader vendor team. Like people will crack, 600 collector booster boxes and tell us exactly how many misty rainforests they pulled of each version and then we'll know Mm -hmm. what the relative rarity is and that's how we ended up on the whole etched is going to be less expensive than foil for mystical archives thing was the foils were just way harder to find yeah and you also need that cracking data because that tells you about the actual physical differences because a lot of times you don't know right like no one knew that there was going to be a difference but in the foiling process between the clocker boosters and the set boosters on the japanese mystical archives and it wasn't until people were actually opening them and putting them next to each other that that information came well out. and and so, only the japanese set boosters yeah very specific piece of information but it, it, people will uh people will be paying a lot closer attention to that this time around i think uh, you know i i don't know if it'll matter since it doesn't have the same lines drawn the way strixhaven does but people will be looking just to be curious just to make sure now they also had put put up some information about the set booster boxes which is the the box that i think wizards wants you to buy the most of um they're printing more of them than the regular booster boxes as i understand it and it'll have 30 boosters, just as the set boosters usually do. Um, you're going to get one sketch or retro frame card in every pack, one new to modern reprint in every pack, one foil and possibility of multiple rares in every pack. 
still still sounds to me like the old the retro frame is more common than the the extended art frame because extended arts can't be found anywhere outside the collector boosters and it sounds like there are just more of them even in the collector boosters so it's going to be interesting if like foil old border misty rainforest is three times the price of the extended art foils but there's actually way less of the extended art foils so the market ends up underpricing the extended art foils during pre-order season and on opening weekend and then a year later those are real hard to find whereas the old border foils mm-hmm. are glutted but still priced real high and i i like me the retro frames for sure but that will not be true of everybody uh so if if you have a scenario like that play out um you know those extended art foils might be cheap extended art foils and non-foils might be cheaper at the outset but might not stay that way like you just said and i i i'm just basically just agreeing with you i think that could represent some real opportunities there if you're if you catch that stuff and you're willing to wait a little bit it's gonna be uh be interesting to see how all this plays out again it's fun it shouldn't say discussing this crap is annoying but it's interesting when it all comes out and you get to kind of see how it plays out yeah we're this is very preliminary theory crafting i would say what is it june 17th they moved it back to so it's still a month till release so i would guess about three weeks from now we will have real strong data on drop rates and and pack formulations and what stuff seems likely to be worth targeting okay the um uh, what was I just going to tell you? The uh, the oh, the retro frames seem to show up a lot more commonly than I was anticipating they would, which we kind of already mentioned. But um, even compared to Times Pro Remastered, right? Because that didn't have any nearly as many retro foils or retro framed cards in it as this seems to. I'm I'm very curious to see. One of the things that matters with those drop rates that we need more information is how many cards are available in the retro frame. The bigger the list is, the less copies exist. For instance, if they had only printed the five enemy fetch lands in Old Border, and they said that there was one in every pack, (laughs) you're in a pretty specific scenario where they're crashing the price of those cards. Um, If, if on the other hand, it's like the list where you have a thousand plus cards to choose from, then it ends up making no difference in the market whatsoever. Well, given that they said there are so many retro frames per pack in the collector booster, I'm inclined to think that they put quite a few cards in there. Like quite a few, there are quite a few retro frame cards in the set. The easiest answer get via guesswork is there's a sheet worth that there's like 121. But you can also do sheets per rarity level, too. So we need more information. Yeah, that's the important thing. 20 minutes just to get to. We need more information. Sounds (laughs) about right. All right. Uh, That's probably good for the week. And I should still go do some cooking. So where can our listeners find you, James? You folks can find me on Twitter at MTGCritic, as well as via my occasional articles on MTGPrice.com and my constant haunting of the Pro Trader Discord. 
And I am on Twitter, WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I haven't started that MTG Finance TikTok account yet, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG Finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money. Playing Magic the Gathering and buying flesh and blood and whatever other nonsense the collectibles industry is hawking peddling i had a box show up on my doorstep and i'm like what the hell is this thing i don't even know what this is and then i opened it up and it's like a hey, first edition case of monarch i'm like oh yeah that's right i remember buying this and shoving it in the closet with everything else <laughs> so current current market price on those is somewhere between 350 and 450 if i remember correctly uh i think for the Per, per box. box. I think you paid less than 100 Was it that low? Yeah. So Jeez. you're already doing pretty well, but the consensus in the Discord is wait six months or so, and hopefully these will get up over $1,000 a box again like they did with Crucible. Yeah, that was my plan. The You know, if you never keep receipts and you don't pay attention, whenever you sell something, you made money because you'd have no clue how much you sold it for. So <laughs> if, if, if it is a hypothetical $0 that you paid for, it, that's a pure profit, buddy. <laughs> Fair enough. It's how, it's how I encourage all of our listeners to do their business. It's a good idea. Who are we sponsored by again? Uh, we are sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., who absolutely does not condone the advice I just gave you, where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including the best in Magic the Gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Do you want to remind our listeners of anything? Uh, nope, oh, pretty good. You don't okay. Uh, so that's episode 272 in the books. Uh, next week, Modern Horizons 2 to cover. Yeah, there'll be some definitely some information on the uh, stream tomorrow. Uh, so thank you, Travis. Thank you all. We'll see you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. <laughs>